I'm going to, to, I was directed to some scriptures that I have taught on many times. I have even preached from, but I learned a long time ago that if the Lord deals with me to preach it, just preach it and leave everything else with him. First John three and eight, he that committeth sin is of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Second text verse will be found in Matthew 12, 25 through 26. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Periodically, I struggle with a title for um, a message. And so I happen to live in a home with very creative people. And so I asked them, hey, I I need some help with this title. And so they gave me a good title. And then Friday morning, the Lord woke me up the way he talks to me with this word. And I knew that it was supposed to be the title. And it's not one that I would have chosen. But again, I I have learned. So I speak to you today, the why and the fight. The why and the fight. I trust by the time that you walk out of here today that you will understand both the why and the fight and why the fight. That's that's what I hope we understand. Can we pray for personal revelation right now in our own lives? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the direction of your spirit. And you know every individual that is in this sanctuary and those that are watching right now by the way of webcast, and we know that you want to do a work in the life of anybody who will let you. So I pray that distraction will be bound and people will let you. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Again, the church shout amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing so long. You may be seated. Voice after voice stands in this pulpit and literally seeds the atmosphere with faith and vision for what the Spirit has said and what the Spirit is saying about the king's kingdom intention for New Life Fellowship. I thought this week back on some of the things that, that I have heard. I've, I listen intently when pastor is, is ministering. If I miss the messages because I'm traveling, I always listen to them in order to stay in step with what the Spirit is saying to this local body. My mind went back to the ministry of Brother Mark Morgan and the word to this church. 
my mind went to Brian Lane and the word he gave and Todd Nichols. Uh, the word that Dan McLeod shared just a couple of weeks ago. And I understand that the Spirit is speaking expressly to this church. There are many of us that, that have no intention of missing what the Spirit is saying. We're, we're not going to miss it, whatever it costs us. And I know that that is a bold statement, but I also know that it's a true statement. Because walking among us are truly people that are giving God an open door and seeking to even give Him more. And wherever you are, if you're at step one in that process or four or seven or 25 or 90, whatever in those, let's say, the road and the mile marker of that, just keep moving forward. Let's just keep moving forward. So the why and the fight, let's, let's start with the why because that's a wise place to start in all areas of our lives. The why is the purpose. Understanding purpose is, is a personal life challenge. It's, it's a life challenge and changer because when you understand the purpose for your life, then every, everything changes. If we know the why, then we understand more about what is at stake and why the fight. If we understand why we're here, if, if we understand what our purpose is and we move into that, then the fight becomes a lot clearer because we understand what's, what's at stake. And if we would ever realize that our purpose is to be His purpose, then everything changes. It's not my purpose only, it's not my opinion, it's not my preference, but it's his opinion, it's his preference, and this is not easy to live. This is not easy, to, this is not easy for me to live, because I like my opinion. I like my preference. I'm very comfortable with how I think. I'm pretty convinced that, that I'm a good thinker. I'm pretty convinced now at this stage in, in my life that I know a lot. I'm not trying to be arrogant. It's just I dig and I try to learn and, and I have, but with all of my digging, with all of my trying to learn, I still have to say, but Terry, it's not about your opinion. And Terry, it's not about your preference. And it's not about what you have decided in your life. It's about understanding that your purpose, Terry, is to be aligned with his purpose because his purpose is what matters. His purpose is what matters. And so the fight of the flesh is, is a real fight in this manner. But my why, when I allow my why and and my purpose to be lost in his, then everything changes. I can give you free of charge 
You won't even have to pay a fee. I can tell you today how to change your life before you walk out of this building. I'm not saying everything will be changed. I'm not saying that everything will be all right. But I am telling you how you can walk out with a different mindset and you can literally see the sun shining when the sun is shining. And that is by aligning your purpose under his purpose and allowing his purpose to be the driving force and the direction and the compass and the steering wheel of your life. Everything changes at that point. It's very interesting when we look in the Word of God, there are some topics that are so clear that that if we miss it, it's only because we're not reading the Word of God. One thing that comes to my mind right now would be success. How in the world can we be confused uh, about what a success is when it's only mentioned one time in the Word of God? How can we miss Joshua 1 and 8? It tells us clearly how we can be a success. When I'm talking about purpose today, it's clear. It is so clear in the Word of God. There are several scriptures. I will only use three. Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man is come, why? To seek and to save that which was lost. That that's, was his purpose. That's why he came. John 10 and 10. The thief cometh not, but for to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But then the Son of Man says, but I, that's why the thief came. But I have come... Why? What's the purpose? That ye may have life and that you may have it in intensive care. You may have it just barely getting by. You may have it just wishing that you can get through one more day. No. He says, the thief cameth not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief cameth to, he came to put your life in emotional intensive care, in spiritual intensive care, in any way, in any manner. But he says, but I have come that you might have life. And I'm not just talking about life on a respirator spiritually. I'm not talking about just life on an emotional respirator. I have come that ye might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's why I came. That's what my purpose is. And then in 1 John, it really brings it in, in 3 and 8. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That is the why. That's why. When we're talking about the why, that's it. Right there. That's the purpose. The purpose he came. You don't have to live in hell on your way to hell. You don't even have to live in hell on your way to heaven. Because he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He came to seek 
and to save that which was lost. I'm preaching right now that there are some lost things that are even lost in the house. You don't have to even remain separated from what has been lost in the house. Because he came to seek you and to save you. He also came to say, give me the works of the devil. Line them up. What are they? Is it this one? Is it that one? Is it this one? I will destroy that one. I will destroy that one. Is this one coming against your life? Then I can take care of that. We've got to understand we're talking about the man that can calm the storm. We're talking about a man that it does not matter if it is a small storm, he has a small calm. If it is a medium-sized storm, he has a medium-sized calm. But you know what his word says? It says they were in the boat. He said, we're going to the other side. They hit a storm, and it was a great storm. Read it in your Bible. It says great storm, but then it also says great calm. It, I'm speaking to somebody right now. I'm not just trying to jazz you up. I'm trying to speak the word into the atmosphere. I'm speaking a word into the atmosphere. I'm seeding the atmosphere with a word of faith that somebody right now in your life can say, I'm in a storm, but I'm telling you whatever size your storm, there is a calm to match it. He will never leave us totally outmatched. We may see it in the physical, but in the spiritual, we're never outmatched. In the natural, we may be outmatched. We may be outmanned. But in the spiritual, we will never be outmatched. We will never be outmanned. When the servant came to the prophet and he said, we are surrounded, the prophet never said, how many is out there? The prophet never said, well, let me go Look at the situation. He never even went outside. Do you know what he immediately said? There are more that are with us than there are against us. It didn't matter. Why? Because he knew whose he was. He knew the God that he was connected with. He didn't even have to see in the physical what was against him. He immediately knew, is there a problem? Do I have an enemy? There's more that's with me because I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. That's the why. Then we move to the fight. The fight is for unity. And maintaining unity is a fight. It's a continual fight. Unity has always been under attack. It always will be under attack until the end of time. The reason that unity is such a fight is because of the value of it. The enemy of our soul, we must remember, the enemy of our soul is a biblical scholar. Satan can quote the Bible better than any of us in here. He knows the Bible. And the reason that unity is always under attack is because it is the difference maker. 
in any situation. Matthew 12, 25 through 26 has to be one of the enemy's favorite two verses because of the direction it gives him. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan, you know that the enemy paid attention here. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And so our enemy, the enemy of our soul, understands that his kingdom thrives on unity. His kingdom. And so what our enemy does is unifies his kingdom for the division of ours. That's what the enemy does. My good friend, Pastor Paul Trinicals, preached a message in Mandeville, Louisiana, to his church last month, and he was preaching about how division is the enemy's craft. Division. And so we see this, and it's, it's very clear in Scripture, and we understand that this starts against us individually. Because the enemy seeks to divide, to conquer, to pull away, to conquer. Now, you don't, if your stomach is uh, not very strong, you might not want to watch this to the end. But all you have to do to really see how the enemy works is just go Google a um, wildlife kills. And watch how a pride of lion will come to a herd. Just watch, just watch what they do. And, and even if you're not going to watch when, when they really, you know, start killing the animal, at least, at least watch how they manipulate the herd and how they instill fear into the herd and then watch how the ones that stay together survive. And watch how they're waiting for that one, that one animal. When the, when everybody, all the other ones are turning right, they're watching for that one to turn left. And when that one turns left, when that one is divided, it's over. I literally watched one, it's one thing when they're, they're killing smaller animals, but I watched one that a pride of lion killed an elephant. Together, there is no way. Those elephants would have stomped any of those lions. There is no way. When they're together, it's not going to happen. But you get one of them, even as big as the elephant was, when you get it separated, when you get it out, and so what happens is, is he seeks first to divide us against us. 2 Timothy 2.25, 
The instruction is in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. Oppose themselves. Self-opposition is a modern-day epidemic. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We know that. And so into the atmosphere of our world spews doubt and fear and anxiety, depression. It's just spewing. It's, it's spewing from your phones. It's spewing from your iPads. It's spewing from your, your screens. It's, it's spewing any, any possible way because that's the spirit of the day. It's fear. It's doubt. It's, it's causing us to doubt ourselves. Do you know how the marketers are making so much money? Convincing us of what we don't have that we have to have. It's, it's inside our mind. And so when this happens, what is the result? The result is question. We question ourselves. Are we okay? Are we enough? Are we on the right road? Do we look good enough? Do we have the right this? Do we have the right that? Are we putting the right persona on? What about this? It's doubt and it's fear and it's in anxiety. And many times what happens is It's self-opposition that gets into our spirit, and now we're divided. James 1 and 8 states it clearly. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's speaking of double-minded or a wavering man, an uncertain man, a doubting man, one who is divided in interest, one that is not focused. They're unstable in all their ways. What does that mean? They're restless. So someone that's wavering and somebody that's just uncertain and has doubt and their interests are divided, then they will be restless. And this is exactly what the enemy wants for every one of us. The enemy wants us to oppose us. Because when the enemy looks at an individual who is opposing themselves, then the enemy doesn't have to fool with that individual any longer because as long as we are opposing ourselves, as long as we are hurting us, as long as we are divided, as long as we are holding ourselves down, then then I guess if you want to say it like this, then that just frees up a demon to go work somewhere else because we're doing a good enough job on ourselves. But it doesn't stop individually. Then if we're married, it definitely moves there because division in the marriage union increases the win for the enemy. And we've, we've got to work together. You know, I am married. I'm not just saying I'm married to a great woman because she's here. Uh, I'm married to a great woman because uh, she is a great woman. We we have a wonderful marriage. We've had a very good marriage for many years. But believe me, our marriage has just, uh, in our house for all of these years, we haven't just floated around, uh, you know, on clouds inside the house talking in tongues all, all the time. Uh, do not be fooled. When on May 4th, 1985, when both of us walked up and said that we do, that we would uh, live with each other forever, there was not a doormat that walked up 
and united that day. No, no, we we have there's there's two leaders got married that day, and um, and there's and there's two leaders today. Now, you know she yes. She understands biblical submission, but more important than her understanding biblical submission is me understanding biblical submission. So I won't get off into all that, but I'm just saying we have had uh, quite the ride becoming one while honoring God gifting. Don't have time for all that, but many times on this 30 seven-year road, she has said this to me. She's looked at me in some of those times, and she said, Terry, look, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. There are probably some married couples that need to get by yourself and, and tell each other that you're on the same team. And you really need to watch division between you and one major way that the enemy uses to, to get division between you is use your children. Because children come just equipped with the ability to know how to work which parent. I know you're saying, hey, we were really feeling the Spirit of God a while ago. Can, can you, can you go, go back into that? He then moves against the family. He looks for an inroad with the young or the old. The enemy is about making you fight your brother or fight your sister. The enemy is about getting siblings against siblings. The enemy is about getting siblings against parents. The, the enemy is about getting the outlaws against the in-laws. And whoever is the outlaws and whoever's the in-laws and sometimes the in-laws are the outlaws and sometimes the non uh, uh, outlaws or non-in-laws are also the outlaws. It can just be a big mess. Is there an amen from anybody in, in the church? I'm talking about division. It's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking, I'm talking about what stops individuals. I'm talking about what stops families. I'm talking about what stops churches because you can believe that the enemy is going to bring this to the church. You, you can believe when the enemy knows, okay, if a, if a kingdom, if, if a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand is brought to desolation. If, if a city that is divided against itself is brought to, to desolation. If an individual, even if I, the enemy, Satan, knowing that, then, then Satan is literally salivating looking at a local church. Anything that threatens unity in this church must be adamantly withstood. Anything. We must all develop a keen sensitivity for disunity. There needs to be an inner alarm that goes off, and you young men that I'm looking at, and you young ladies, if you can learn this right now, you, you can help this church in a major way at your age. There needs to be an alarm. We need to be so sensitive to this. Alarm needs to go off like the alarm went off on me 
a few years ago, standing in the back of a huge plane over the Pacific Ocean. I've often wondered what it would feel like to be crashing into the ocean. I've often wondered, okay, you, you see these planes go down, and, and I've been on many of them, and Dennis and Amy have been on many of them, and Dan and, and Haley and others have been on, and it. I thought it was my time a couple of years ago. I was standing in the back talking to somebody, and you look at the little gauge, the little airplane going, and we were right in the middle of the ocean. There's no way to find land to land this big bird anywhere and I'm standing in the back talking, and all of a sudden the alarm started going off. Lights started flashing inside that plane, like like I. And and what got me was all the flight attendants were running around like they didn't know what was happening. So when the flight attendants are are messed up, I stood back there, and literally fear started at my toes and started working all the way up my body. And I said to myself, "This is it." My life is over. Get never, never experienced anything like that. I, I got a moment right there of what it would be, be like to be over the ocean and the plane start, start going down. Well, that's an individual. But it's another thing whenever it's the local church body. We've got to get sensitive enough. That here we're hearing prophecy, we're hearing vision, we're, we're hearing all of this. God said, one minister after another. There, God's bringing ministers in here that are saying things, they're not even connected to what another word has been. It's been this word, it's been that word, it's been this word, it's been that word. God help us not to get drunk on prophecies and not to get drunk on words and think that just somehow we can just however, whatever, and it's just going to happen one day. Oh, no, it's not. We can blow this thing. We can lose this thing. We can stop this thing. But I believe there are a lot of people in the New Life family that's saying, not on our watch, that will not be happening no, no, that will not be happening. There, there will not be a spirit of disunity that will get in the church. It's not going to happen. Melanie and I are privileged to work with, with pastor couples and, and, uh, we were in one of those. We, senior pastor couples will come in and we'll spend two days with them. And, and step them through a, a series of, of apostolic values and all this kind of stuff. So we were, we were talking and I was talking to one senior pastor about their values, their church values. And he was explaining to me what his values were. And then he said this, I have never heard this. I have never read this in a book. I have never seen this, never heard it in my life. And he just casually mentions that one value, one stated church value is low drama. Low drama. We were like, what? He said, low drama. I said, man, I like that. That, that is a place where, where, uh, drama kings don't live and, and drama queens don't, don't live and little drama princes. No, it's not welcome. And, and little drama princesses. Mm, no, 
No, we don't do that here. That, that's not what happens here. This is not about allowing personal drama to take over the why of this church and put us in to the wrong side of the fight about what's going to take us to where the Spirit is saying we can go. Because prophecy is an invitation. Prophecy is a direction. Prophecy is saying, this is what God wants you to have. This is what can happen if we bring it in to context and we connect our conduct, then we will be able to see what the Spirit is saying to the church come to fruition. Unity is the goal, and comparison and competition destroys unity. I have seen churches compete. I have seen pastors compete. I have seen evangelists compete. I've seen missionaries compete. I have seen prophets compete. I have seen teachers compete. I assume that there are some apostles that may be competing, but I could not put a name on a, an apostle, but I can put a name on everything else I, I mentioned. I have also seen people in the church compete with their clothes and with their, oh, we're going somewhere and people are going to be delivered today if somebody wants to be delivered. Just help me, help, just hang on, just let's keep laying a little foundation on what the Spirit is saying because it's that competition and it's that comparison that can stop everything that has been done. So I've seen people compete with their clothes and their vehicles and their houses and their jobs and their bodies and their spouses. I've seen that. I've seen people compete with their ministry positions and their places on the organizational chart. I have seen people compete with Bible studies. I've seen people that didn't understand. Any Bible study is just a piece of the discipleship process. The discipleship process is our entire life. And so I've heard people compete that it's this three-hour lesson, and other people think it's this 12 this 12-week lesson, and other people I have said, there's 52 lessons, and then I have heard every bit of that. I have heard competition in every bit of it. In the area of evangelism, I have heard it's one-on-one. I've heard some people say, well, it's door-knocking two-by-two. I've heard other people talk about crusades. We need crusades. We need multitudes. I've heard competition in small groups. Well, are you a church of small groups? Or are you a church with small groups? Are they interest-based or are they, or are they life groups? What I come to say is, is it's everything for heaven's sake. It's everything. We need every approach. We need every approach. This is not about competition. We need the apostles. We need the prophets. We need the pastors. We need the evangelists. We need the teachers. We need Bible studies. One hour, four hours, five hours, 12 weeks, 52 weeks. It doesn't matter. We need groups. We need connected families. We need to kick out comparison and competition, and we need to flow in what the Spirit is saying for the church today at this time. Comparison and competition. Comparison is the front door to the house called competition. And this is the house where kingdom fulfillment goes to die. 
when we compare and we compete. There is no wisdom to be found in that house once you enter it. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, For we dare not number ourselves or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. For in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they are not wise. And that house is eaten up with what I call kingdom-itis. And the symptoms of kingdom-itis are self Itis, position, itis, platform, itis, and pulpit, itis. And these diseases are so big because there is a demon hanging around these, these diseases and propping up these diseases, and the demon is called, it's my turn. It's my turn to get to do that. It's my turn to get to do this. Well, it's my turn to do this. And I have noticed in all of my years that that demon really is a major demon in the platform area. And it's, it's also a major demon in this area. But that demon doesn't seem to, to, to fight children's ministry, does it, Amanda? That, that demon doesn't seem to fight, uh, cleaning the bathrooms. That, that demon doesn't seem to gain any oxygen at all in the parking lot. That, that demon doesn't have, it thrives in here, but it doesn't thrive out there. That it's my turn, demon. It's it's my turn to get to do this. It's my turn to get to play. It's my turn to get to sing. It's my turn to get to be part of the service. It's my turn to teach. It's my turn to preach. It's my turn to this. It's my turn to that. No, this church is going to be a powerful church because we do not allow kingdom itis. We, we are death on self-itis. We are death on position-itis. We are death on pulpit-itis. We are death on platform-itis. And we will cast out the demon of it's my turn. We're not going to fall for this trick. Some of you that are wondering, wow, my goodness, he's... He's, pre- he's preaching like that. Pastor has given me more liberty and more authority than I have ever taken. I know that I'm taking a little more today, but I am not doing this out from under his okay. He does not know exactly what I'm saying today. He will watch. He may be watching right now. I would never be talking like this if I felt like I was out of line with the flow and the liberty that he has given me. I know what God has spoken to me, and I know that this is something that can stop New Life Fellowship. It can stop it. It can stop all of the years. It can, it can, I have seen churches stop over what I am saying. I can look in the Word of God, and I'm hurrying, but I can look in the Word of God. It's called the promised land, isn't it? Who made the promise? God. Could God bring them through? Yes, he could. Did they go? No. They did not go. They died in the wilderness. Why did they die in the wilderness? Because of kingdom 
That's why they died. We can't come in here and get drunk on a New Life Fellowship press release. We can't get drunk on on our own thinking. We can't get drunk on what we've got. Don't get intoxicated by that new building. There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of devils to fight. These people fought a lot of devils before some of us got here. And guess what? We're going to have to fight a lot of more devils before we ever see what God has promised us. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of fighting, but we can, we can do this. So how are we going to do it? We're going to do it by aligning our purpose with his purpose. We're going to seek and save the lost. We're going to show people how to live abundantly absent of abundance of stuff. That's what we're going to do. We're going to destroy the works of the devil. That's that's what we're going to do. We're going to stop waiting for fulfillment to find us because fulfillment moves at the speed of purpose. We align with his why and we fight. Brother Tackler Marion led a great move of, of, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands, million, whatever, in Ethiopia. And they asked him one time, they said, what's the key? What's the key to revival? And he looked back at them and said, we never pray for revival. We pray for unity. We're not even, we're not even focusing. We're focusing on unity. He said, because when you have unity, there's no way to stop revival. Unified purpose has always been and will always be unstoppable. Always. But when something is divided against itself, it's brought to desolation. So a word to those of us who have led elsewhere and now who God has directed to new life through the years or people like Grant who taught a great lesson here Wednesday night and was seven years old when the Harpoles came. To all of us, let me say boldly and clearly that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that non-senior pastors in a congregation Ministers who are non-senior pastors in a congregation, me included, can be a tremendous blessing to a church or a tremendous pain to a church. If we are a minister in this church, it is not about our opinions. It is not about how we see things. It is not about how we used to do things in the other church. It's, it's not about all of that. It's about us being about the purpose of Jesus Christ. 
We don't have to wait for there to be some special program that that is organized. When in the world, how are we going? I'm not just talking to the ministers right now. I'm talking to everybody. How are we going to stand before God someday and, and give an account for biblical mandates? Are we going to stand there and say, well, the church didn't organize it? Well, we, we ne- it, it never was a new life ministry. It, no. If it's a biblical mandate, there, there are plenty of ministries happening that are lined right up with a biblical mandate. We all need to be involved in it. But God could be speaking to you. God could be giving you a word that, that is a word to you. It's a biblical mandate. It's a way to minister. You, you don't have to get permission to seek and save the lost. You don't have to get permission to live true abundance and share that. You don't have to get permission to position your life to live in authority and dominion and be able to walk into people's lives and destroy the works of the devil. You don't have to get permission. It's these signs shall follow them that believe. So as we stand together right now, if you are a minister in this church, would you walk forward? This would be for sure any licensed UPCI minister, but there are also other ministers. Dan, you walk forward. Dennis, you walk forward. Walk walk all all the way down to the to the front. Please as as, as close, right up here. And if if somebody else can, can be prepared in a minute to sing other than Grant, that would be good because he needs to be involved involved here. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. The congregation is going to to pray over us and and we we we, I'm not saying you, we, I'm a transplant. Some of you guys have, have been around here for years. Look, I want, I want you to just look, I want you to look down the line at, at what, at what God has put in this church just on, on this level. And I'm not saying that we're up here and everybody else is down here because I can tell you right now, some of you are operating in a greater dimension of faith. Some of you are operating in a, in a greater spiritual gifting than any of us that have walked up here. So let's not go there in our mind. But what I would like to do is, is I would like for all of us right now to pray and make sure that there is no kingdom idis working in us. And I want the congregation to stretch your hands toward us right now. And would you pray that we will be protected from kingdom idis? So all of us that, that walk forward right now, however, if you want to close your eyes and lift your hands, if you want to just bow your head, congregation, would you please, would you please pray?
In your name, Jesus, by the power of your spirit, we need you. We need you to direct us. We need you to help us. God, we need you to direct anything in our mind that, that is not of you. We, we need your help. You're wanting to do great things in this church. We don't want to be a problem. Help us, God. Help us. You know our hearts. We don't even know our hearts. We think we know our hearts, but we don't even know our hearts. Let it be done in Jesus' name. I'm asking every minister who walked forward now, would you turn around and face the congregation? We're getting ready to pray two prayers, so so hang in here. Please, please don't leave. The last two days... We had a young adult retreat. Melanie and I were blessed to be asked to minister there. It was heavy. It was hard. We had, we had a touch of God Friday night that was not forced. It was a touch of God. But what we would consider an anointed touch that type of a thing that was the only time we did not feel directed to lead that retreat in that manner this first invite to prayer any of you young people no pressure no pressure it would if, if we're at the retreat and I do this then it would be a little more obvious who walks forward who doesn't this it won't it won't be very obvious right now because a lot of you're lost in the crowd if you were in that retreat, I don't know what your mind has been thinking last night. I don't know what the Spirit has been saying. But if, if you're wanting this, if you're wanting this, would you just walk up and stand in front of one of these, of these ministers right now? I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna give you a second. There may have to be some shifting on the platform, uh, brother Zach. We'll just we'll just deal with with whatever. If any of them want to go down, but we would would you just walk and stand in in front? Walk and stand in 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 front of. Come. Come on over this direction. We drove away. Mel and I drove away Friday night, and we wasn't even off of the grounds. And I, and I looked at her, and I said, there is a powder keg in that room. There's a powder keg in that room. I'd like to ask you ministers, can you can you lay hands on them right now and pray a blessing on them? Congregation, would you stretch your hand toward the front and, and pray over this generation? In your name, Jesus, by the power of your spirit.
That's it, church. Just keep lifting your voice. Pray. Church, pray, pray some big prayers over them right now, please. Pray some kingdom prayers over, over these young adults right now. Be led by the Spirit right now in, in what you allow to come through you praying over these young adults. church. Keep praying, church. Keep praying, church. Spirit's doing a work right now. Spirit's doing a work right now. Now this this morning as they continue praying and continue letting God use them, this is not just about the ministers of the church. This is not just about the young adults of the church. There's many people in this sanctuary right now. You need a touch of God in, in your life. And I don't know what work of the flesh that the enemy is using as his work that has you bound. It, it could be adultery or fornication or uncleanness or idolatry or witchcraft or hatred or wrath or strife or envy or murder or drunkenness or many other things. It, it could be oppression. It could be depression. You, you may... You may want to give your life to to God right now. If you're in this building and you need something from God, whether it's the first time you've walked in here or you've been in this church for decades, in this atmosphere of faith, in this atmosphere of flow, would you just step out and come? Come to the front, and these ministers will pray with you. You you may want to bring your spouse and come. What whatever. However, if you have a need, if if you want a touch of the Spirit of God, would you just step out and come forward?